I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the Barca Blog Arnas podcast. I'm joined once again by Emil or at Hardwood Hype, as you can find him on Twitter. Um, he recently published episode seven of the Messi Hattrick series, which be sure to check out on his websites. I will be linking that as well. Emil, how are we doing? Good, Josh. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I think we were, like yeah. we were talking about beforehand, uh, it's nice to be able to go out and about a little bit more, um, being safe, of course. And uh, of course, this weekend, we're getting the return of some La Liga action. Uh, We've had the Bundesliga back for a couple weeks to uh, to test out what fake crowd noise would sound like. And uh, I guess La Liga has taken a little bit of a different spin on that from what I've read. But um, before we kind of get into things, you were telling me about um, you wrote a piece for Blizzard magazine, um, which is going to. So when does this come out? When does the quarterly come out that you're in? So I think it, it went live on their website either last night or this morning. Okay. And so I think you can. Um, I think it's actually out now, so it can be purchased on on their website. I guess it's like Blizzard dot co dot uk. I'm always tempted yep. to call it just yep. dot com. The Blizzard dot co dot uk. The Blizzard dot co dot uk. So you wrote about. Um, I, I guess it's like a series they do, kind of your the greatest game. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, in the past, just kind of as I read up, and it sort of stemmed from my interest in the fact that, you know, when I kind of first learned about Ronaldo, original Brazilian Ronaldo, and his one, you know, crazy awesome year with, with Barcelona, I remember reading back through it and, you know, just sort of, and then hitting YouTube and just kind of like deep diving to find as much as I could about the games. And one odd thing that, I hadn't really heard much, you know, about, you know, in the United States, like it's it's sort of a, it's a bit of minutia, but like an absolute absurdity of a game that that happened during that season, and um, so it's essentially the second leg of the quarterfinal against Atlético Madrid, and um, I mean, essentially the there there are nine goals in the game. There's, you know, just crazy tension, you know, for, for both sides. It's, you know, young Ronaldo at his absolute best. It's Luis Figo when the the Barcelona crowd still loved him. Um, uh, Bobby Robson and, you know, as the coach, um, I mean, it's just, it's an absolutely, it's an absolutely insane game. And it also sort of, uh, what I love was it gave me an opportunity to kind of dig into that 96, 97 Barcelona season as well. And that was the one where the one season Ronaldo spent, you know, with Barcelona and scored 47 goals in 49 games and was just an, just an unholy terror. And, uh, yes. Yeah. It was the, it was the club record for across all competitions until Messi in, I want to say, it, I think it was 11, 12. 
Yeah, when he used to, it was like 50-something, something like that. Yeah, so yeah. the first time Messi got to 50. I think actually, if I'm not mistaken, Messi, I believe, he might have tied it one year, and then I think he beat it the year after that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Googling this as we talk because yeah. I'm fascinated to kind of find a list yeah. of Barcelona <clears throat> records and stats. Let's see. Oh gosh, if I just do a keyword search on Messi, there's 82. I'm not gonna be able to find this. Uh, <laughs> never mind. Yeah. No, but um, so as I recall, I I can yeah. I guess we as we chat, I I have sort of. I feel like he's broken the record multiple times at this point. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, let me see. I actually for so for the uh, the hat trick series that I'm writing, mm-hmm. I actually have Messi's Wikipedia page up. Right. And. Uh, so as I see it, yeah. So he actually in oh nine ten he tied it. So he had forty seven and fifty three games, and then the following year he went uh, fifty three and fifty five. Okay, yeah. Here's t- see. Okay, Wikipedia's weird me out here because <clears throat> oh okay, okay yeah yeah I see what you're talking about. Jeez, yeah. His Wikipedia yeah. page is disgusting. It's also incredible. It, it, I know. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So there, everyone... there's entire extra pages for Messi's records, and I mean, just yeah. even like niche things he's he's done have their own entries. Yeah, it's wild. Well, it's it's probably fair mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, so everyone, oh. be sure to check that out. Um, I will get the link to that and make sure that we put that in the post. Um, so we're here to talk about La, La Liga. Uh, Barcelona's yeah. first match is Saturday um, against Real Mallorca, and. Yep. They currently sit, I want to say, two points ahead on the table over Real Madrid. They're about to start yep. this incredibly intense, um, every few days playing, five substitutions, nobody in the stands, crazy, unheard of, untested <clears throat> stretch of football. Um, first match back, I think the first thing I want to talk about is Luis Suarez, right? I think that's the big question is mm-hmm. whether or not he's going to start, um, how much we're going to see him. I think even if he does start, and I think this probably goes for most of the more injury-prone Barcelona players, um, even if he does start, we're not going to probably see him for all that long, especially with the five right. substitutions. Um, what are your expectations? Kind of what's the thought? Like, what have you been reading? What are your thoughts around Luis Suarez right now? So, from I mean... From everything that I've read, um, it seems to be fairly consistent in that he's his his recovery seems to have been, you know, pretty good. Like I mean, he's he was back in training. I think as soon as they all went back to to training, so whatever that was, I guess three weeks ago, give or take. And um, so I mean, I think the I, I think there's a decent chance that this extended layoff. Uh, Suarez and Messi, I'm convinced, are sort of potentially huge beneficiaries of it. One, I mean, Suarez was injured to to begin with, but also they're you know they're both kind of. I mean, it, it feels it feels weird to. I mean, they're not old, but they're not as quite as young as they used to be. And uh, like Messi's going to be 33 in 12 days, and uh, and so, I mean, I think the this forced kind of downtime or pseudo downtime of three months was probably hugely beneficial for them. And I mean, doubly so for, for Suarez, who was kind of already on the shelf and uh, had all that time to recover without sort of having to, to miss any bars, you know, without the, the team having to play without him. 
Yeah, and I think kind of one of the things that's interesting to me too is I think about how Barcelona are going to line up is how Suarez's return um, in, in whatever capacity, you know, we see it in these first mm-hmm. couple games is going to impact kind of the, the weird Braithwaite. And I think I have to stop saying the word weird when I talk about Martin Braithwaite mm-hmm. because I, I think his, when he was first introduced, I think the, like the, his presence was, it was unexpected. I think kind of the level mm-hmm. of, um, confidence he brought to the Barcelona attack it was like he and I think especially when you saw him in like either the first or the second match he played in he Mm -hmm. came on as a substitution in the second half it just changed completely the pace um the style of attack that Barcelona were going with and I'm interested to see if Luis Suarez um one if they play together at all and I, I think they will to some extent I don't think they're necessarily um incapable of that but do you feel like Suarez's return will help Braithwaite do you think the Braithwaite thing was kind of an aberration if that's the right word or I don't know what do you think about Martin Braithwaite so I mean I just in a in a vacuum I I really just even before because just from watching watching him play you know previously and in the you know with uh with Leganes and um I mean he's a really he's just in a vacuum he's a good player you know he just looks like he's a he's a fast guy. He's physically you know pretty sturdy. He's he's got skill. Like he's not sort of the. I mean, I guess his greatest sin is that he's just kind of good at everything and not like the the off the charts sort of galactical level you know superstar that yeah. uh, the super, you know kind of mega clubs like to sign. But I think another huge thing about him. In addition to the fact that just sort of he has a, a good skill set, I think he sort of arrived at the club without um, without any sort of preconceived notions of where he was on the food chain, or without any kind of. Um, I mean, like I think he he knew that he was here to kind of effectively like provide support. Like he was he was a band aid signing as. Bizarre thing. Yeah. That. Well, yeah. I mean, and the way he came in too didn't help at all, right? Like there were, it was late. It it did feel like a band aid, so I think it made people, I think like me well, too, Barcelona feel was like, like was... yeah. And I know that there was, and, and I frankly kind of agreed with it. I don't disagree with the signing of, of Braithwaite as much as you know. Suarez got hurt after the after the window was closed, and Barca kind of did this, you know. We, we have an emergency. We need to, you know, we need to go trigger someone's, you know, a release clause to, to get another striker on our team. Uh, meanwhile, it's like, you know, you guys have a high nine-figure revenue. Like, you, just, you shouldn't be able to just go, like, pilfer, you know, 18th place Leganus or whatever just because, yeah. you know, just because one, one of your dudes got hurt. But putting that aside, I mean, I think I... I like Braithwaite a lot. I mean, the the little bit that we that we saw of him before before we had to go into into lockdown. I mean, I was really encouraged. He, and just on a personal level, he seems to kind of like I said, he seems to fit on the team. He seems to kind of have a sort of a healthy relationship with what his role is, and you know, kind of um, the 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 function, uh, you know, the the functionality that he has on the team. And the the other guys on the team seem to like him, you know, just in kind of the little, you know, just human interactions that you see here and there. Um, 
there, he seems to have been accepted into the team. And um, so, I mean, I think overall, it's it's going to be good to have him around. He's He can either, I think, play as a, a like-for-like substitution for Suarez. Um, I think also um, he can kind of potentially uh, fill in the, the Griezmann role if Suarez is up the middle. And uh, could, uh, technically, I could see him uh, subbing in for uh, Griezmann on the left as well mm-hmm. with, with Messi on the right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's actually going to be strangely – He's going to end up being very valuable for the rest of the season, I think. So one of the more interesting things to me is the midfield. And I think that's kind of been one of the more interesting talking points about Barcelona all season long, Uh, especially coming into, um, into this. I think we've, we've, you know, we've heard a lot about Arthur, right? His transfer to Juventus that he didn't want, Uh, you know, Arturo Vidal and his move to Inter Milan for the Latero Martinez package and all that stuff. So you have a lot in Rakitic, lest we forget about him. Um, You have a lot of Barcelona midfielders who have been on the brink of leaving, right? And here we are. They're all there. And um, I think kind of the consensus, right, is that we're going to see Busquets and De Jong in the midfield. And then the third Mm -hmm. is, you know, going to be some combination of Vidal or Arthur or maybe Rakitic. What do you Mm -hmm. see from the midfield? Kind of who who do you think is going to um, kind of shine from those three guys? Because I think what you're looking at is like Rakitic has made himself like he's an emotional person. Um, And I think we haven't really seen how all of this stuff is going to culminate in this strange, stranger than usual Barcelona midfield. Right. So I, I don't recall if, it, if you and I spoke about this when, when we did the pod before, or if it was a conversation I was having with someone else. I think um, now I, I realize that at this point, we're probably far, far closer to the end of the, the Rakitic era than, uh, than we are to even the middle of it. Yeah. But um that being said, I've always had kind of a soft spot for him, and I've always kind of liked him. Sort of on the on on similar grounds to what I was saying about uh, Martin Braithwaite, in that um, you know these guys who come in, particularly when they come in um, when Messi's on the team, and when Rocky did showed up, uh, you know when he first arrived at the club, you know uh, Javi and Iniesta and Busquets were like this unimpeachable midfield and you have, you know, PK and Neymar was there and Suarez is there. And I think there's always value in guys who just like are able to show up to these superstar laden teams and kind of get along with all their teammates and kind of play a role. So I've, I've personally never fully gotten why, um, Rakitic was so unpopular. Um, I don't either. I I don't know if it was a combination of like the... And he wasn't really all that outspoken negatively until... Mm -mm. I mean, he made like a couple comments here and there about, you know, being on the bench and stuff. But um, I, I don't know why he wasn't... And I guess it has to do with longevity. He wasn't at Barcelona as long as like a Xavi or an Iniesta. But like he's he, yeah. he's like he's like right beneath those guys. I feel like. Right. I mean, the the thing is, Xavi and Iniesta are two of the like singularly greatest midfielders that have ever played the game. Yeah. And and so like Rakitic's greatest sin is just not being those guys. Mm-hmm. Like it's just he's pretty good, and like and and you know just because of what came before him, um, 
he's, you know, uh, I guess he's never been fully ingratiated. But I mean, even so that being said, I mean, I think the what I've always had frustration about and there's varying sort of things as to why even Arthur doesn't consistently play as much as one would think. Because, I mean, I think he's another guy who's, I mean, he's not like a the, the biggest of Megabuck signings, but, you know, they spend good money to bring him in. And he's he's been a good player when he's played. And, you know, you would think that, you know, he's kind of, he's an experienced, physically capable, you know, super smart player. It always kind of gets me that, I feel like he's always kind of in and out of the lineup too, for reasons that, you know, whether whether there's rumors here and there or whatever it is, I I would never I never understand why you have this, you know, effectively star level player and he's young, he's physically capable, and you're not letting him do his thing. Like I understand not wanting to overload your players and running run them into the ground, but um, for me, I mean, I think. Uh, Arthur would be my my choice to be the third midfielder, and I mean I have an, I have a massive soft spot for uh, Arthur Vidal. So I mean um, I I really like him, and I think but I think he and Rakitic as sort of um, very I don't know kind of functional subs off the off the bench makes sense for me. And you have Busquets as sort of like the, the veteran anchor of the midfield. And with Arthur and De Jong, I think that's kind of, it, it encapsulates, I think it does the best job of encapsulating what it is that sort of Barcelona idealistically want from their, from their midfield. Yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah. So... Do you think the substitution rule, so right, like five subs, Mm -hmm. there were some Mm -hmm. quotes from Kike talking about how he thinks that'll help um, some of the opponents because Barcelona pull a lot of games. This is not a quote from him. They pull a lot of games Mm -hmm. out of their butt, right, late in the end of the game when other teams are tired, someone from Barcelona, and there's my garage door beneath me rocking everything like usual. Um, They will pull something out of their butt, particularly messy late in the game, right? How do you view this five substitutions? Do you think there's any validity to it helping other teams more than it helping Barcelona? Because I guess when I first thought about this, I I just think it helps Barcelona because of how old they are. (laughs) You know, it's true. I mean, I think the, what I've always heard about Messi and, um, you know, whatever, I I have no sort of particular insight to, to say this, but it's just something that I've kind of read and heard in interviews among people who, who follow the club closely as well. And they say that the, of course, Barcelona have always been dependent on Messi, you know, particularly for the past, whatever it is, five, six years to, to win. I mean, just for, for all the talent and all the money that they've spent, like there's still an insane amount of reliance on Messi. But I've also heard that it's a little bit of a two-way street that he doesn't like to not play. 
And so, I mean, there's always that. And so, I mean, I think it's helpful in the sense that, um, you know, for Suarez, I think you can, you can get a, maybe a really good, strong kind of 45, 50 minutes from him and, and then swap him out. And, you know, essentially, um, you know, you can basically afford to relieve someone in defense, someone in midfield and someone up front while still having, um, while still having subs in your back pocket. That being said, I mean, I do think that um, even as they've gotten older, sort of conditioning is always, conditioning never seems to be the issue for, for Barca. The, whatever problems that I've, I've seen seem to, for me, seem to lie elsewhere. So I do kind of buy the theory that um, the additional subs, not massively, but I would say it's probably a little bit of an advantage for opposing teams. Because especially when Barca have the ball and they, they just have possession and they force guys, you know, the other team to constantly sort of change their shape and have to recover and things like that. Um, being able to put fresh legs in there kind of helps combat the, the fatigue that Barca can inflict. Yeah, I think the when you mentioned it's a two-way street with Messi not wanting to not play, um, that is a little bit... I, I don't know. I, I, it reminds me of just kind of like just like the hero complex, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, we wonder like, is part of the problem? And I guess like the stereotypical example of this, right, is like early in his career, Michael Jordan, um, like mm-hmm. super early in his career, and and it's kind of funny seeing how even late in his career, Messi still sometimes, for the most part, like what he tries to do late in games is valid. It is the right thing to do, right? Like when yeah. there's not a ton of offensive production coming from your teammates, right? The best thing for mm. someone like Lionel Messi to do might be to try to take everything on his shoulders. Um, mm-hmm. But there are definitely scenarios where it feels like there could be more involvement from everyone around him. Um, and that's not Messi's fault per se 100 percent, right that 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 split between the people around him i think yeah. valverde and kike's um how they strategize late in matches is in particular i think it lends itself to messi having the hero complex a little bit i agree so i mean i think you bring up a really interesting point because I've, I've thought about this as well now um again i mean i think it's really really difficult because i mean Virtually no one on the outside knows Messi, and no one kind of knows what exactly the 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 team dynamic is between him and everybody else, and and things like that. I mean, now I realize he's not outwardly sort of like the the Michael Jordan, you know, Kobe Bryant, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, like just sort of scowling at teammates, and you know. Um, yelling and screaming type. That being said, I mean, it, it can't be easy to just, you know, be told like, yeah, like I think it's one of those things, he will make your job easier because he will put the pass exactly at the right weight, exactly where it needs to go. But that also brings with it, I think there's a certain, and I don't know if it's exactly true of Messi, but there's probably some sort of accompanying expectation of like, look, I, like, I've spoon fed this to you. Like the yeah. least you can do is score after I've dragged four guys over and f- like feathered across, like right onto your foot. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, I don't know if there's there's that much of that, but I do think that, that a, a lot of the players who are superstars or at, at the very least stars, very talented players in their own right, arrive, and very few guys seem to sort of have the the assertiveness to I don't know, almost like demand a place, you know, on on par with Messi, because I think everyone's so busy sort of being in awe of him, yeah, that they kind of forget get what like what they're good at you know what i mean like they, they over defer i feel like yeah and i certainly think that was like the coutinho problem um to some totally. extent mm-hmm. and yeah i so i think there's a report that they were meeting with coutinho's agent next week i think his next who who are you more interested in watching the next phase of their career coutinho or dembele post barcelona uh, you know um Oddly, I mean, I think Coutinho, because with Dembele, like, the, the flashes have been there. But the thing is, like, they are really just, they've really just been flashes. I mean, it's, there hasn't been that many sort of sustained, you know, weeks of great play and things like that. Like, he's sort of, it, it felt like they paid for a prospect and, you know, they were expecting him to develop into a role. But between all of the injuries that he's had and sort of the, you know, the, I mean, it was largely, I guess, like the, the injuries or whatever kind of difficulties he might've had settling in. I don't feel like I know what Dembele kind of is now. I mean, I know kind of what he was when he left Dortmund, but that's, it's been a minute, you know, but um, in the case of Coutinho, even when Coutinho was with Barcelona, I mean, he had some really good performances. I mean, he scored some, you know, he scored some really nice goals. Like, he, they didn't have the, the right position for him or the, the availability of the right position for him. And, but then he went to, to Bayern and he was excellent there too. So I think he's, I think he's much more sort of still in the mindset of being a really good player and I think sort of acknowledging that the Barcelona move just wasn't right or the the timing situation wasn't right but kind of seeing it only as that and so it doesn't feel like his sort of his confidence or sort of his whole kind of thing has been rattled that much if that makes sense yeah no I'm with you I, I think especially if it's a move, which it seems like it's going to be back to the Premier League. I'm fascinated, interested to see what team yeah. he ends up on. Um, I don't really have anything else. Do you have any lasting thoughts before we head back into? So, I, okay, I, I do have one question. So, what's your yeah. uh, what, what what's your game day ritual you're looking forward to? Is it like a certain meal, a certain drink? Like, what are you excited about? So tonight, so this is what's going to be really strange is um, typically before, you know, before March, when, before we shut, we shut down, um, I have, there's a bar around the corner, just, you know, on the other side of the block from, um, from my apartment and kind of very ritualistically, it's myself and there's probably a handful of other people, all of them are locals, but I just started going there and sort of went there enough where, uh, I got kind of indoctrinated into this group of locals and we all sort of show up about 15, 20 minutes before the game. And, uh, I, I typically go, uh, depending on the time of day, but for this, this evening, I'll probably just, it'll probably be a red wine night, but, uh, uh, typically I, uh, yes, yeah, typically either red wine, occasionally I'll go beer, but it's typically red wine and, uh, 
and lomo con queso on a on a baguette oh. and uh yeah it's it's good stuff <laughs> i'm not gonna lie and uh yeah I'm just kind of settle in now i'm i'm very interested to see what the um what the outside inside situation is uh what with there being limitations on people being allowed inside restaurants sure so i i we were my wife and i were speculating that maybe maybe some places almost like set up tvs kind of against the the outside facing windows and just go hard on the on the outside patios or what so we'll see but uh yeah i'm very excited i will be uh I'll be making the making the journey over to, to the local bar and uh, kind of play it by ear. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm very excited, really excited to uh, to to have them back. I mean, obviously the I mean I watched the uh, the El Gran Derby last night, the Sevilla Betis, mm-hmm. and it was kind of less. I think I was happier to have it back than I was weirded out by the uh, by by the lack of fans and the and the this and that. Okay, so, so I think you explain really something cool. to me. So I, I didn't get a chance to watch the match, but I read online. Yeah. I guess La Liga either experimented in that game, or they're going to experiment using like FIFA sounds as like some of the backdrop yeah. for fans and stuff. So apparently, what it is is so it's not. So here's my understanding. It's not FIFA sounds sort of from the video game, mm-hmm. but apparently when FIFA, uh, when they make the games, and I know this is, uh, I actually recently heard that this is the case, like the, the 2K games as well, as well. And they'll go to, I mean, I think particularly for bigger teams, they'll go to stadiums and record actual live club like live crowd sounds at various stages. So my understanding is that I think they're going to experiment with using the the actual audio that EA captured, and not sort of the audio as it appears in FIFA. To the right. extent that that's different, I don't I don't fully know. But, okay. uh, and they did a little bit of thing too, where they were doing overlays of kind of uh, like on the empty on the empty seats it was sort of like fifa style like crowd overlays oh man okay yeah it was it was it's not quite as strange as discerning like once you sort of it's weird for the first like five minutes but you you do get used it's not quite as disorienting as it as it sounds yeah i'm excited um i'm excited to see some of the weird stuff that the different leagues try to make it feel more normal um i'm excited for the leagues that embrace that it's not normal and just do strange things because they can do strange things right i'm kind of yeah i'm digging that too yeah so it's gonna be good um football's back in whatever weird extent we are it's back as a community thing it's gonna be nice to have something besides covid19 to talk about with people um right and it's gonna be a good time so i'm looking forward to it Emil, thanks for coming on. Um, be sure to check out his work at Hardwood Hype on Twitter. We'll link um, the Messy Hattrick series and the Greatest Game piece from Blizzard Magazine in the post. So, Emil, thanks for joining us. Josh, thank you very much, man. Anytime.